G'day Radmeisters, welcome to Rad. Uh. Microphone test, one, two, three, one, two, three. G'day Radmeisters and welcome to Rad. Yep, this is your one-stop, non-stop, fun party destination with your host Jesse Drackman and Jay Grady. This week we get a bit of fun going on, as we do every week. And uh, firstly, I'd just like to quickly say a big, huge thank you to every single one of you that tune in and listen to the show. And yes, that is a kettle boiling in the background. Yep, sure is. We spare no expense here on production, that's for sure. So anywho, uh, yeah, thanks heaps for the support. You're all amazing. Uh, love the feedback. Um, not that I get any, but uh, I love the feedback anyway, right? Um, we really love the fact that there are people genuinely listening to the show. So if you have any friends or family that uh, like listening to podcasts or are curious to listen to a good podcast with two guys that talk an insane amount of shit and have fun doing it, uh, please put them onto this channel. It's easy. Open up their whatever they listen to, iTunes, Spotify, whatever. Uh, find our show, Rad or Freaky Friday or both, and uh, hit the subscribe button. Go that one step further, hit the notification bell. That way you know when new episodes appear. Rad appears every Saturday morning from 6 a.m. And uh, Freaky Friday is every Friday from 6 a.m. as well. Bit of horror on the Fridays, bit of pop culture on the Saturdays. Yep. And today's episode, we talk all things 1989. We talk about the year that was. Um, we've been threatening to do it for some time uh, with 87, but... Uh, I curveballed Jake and uh, we went into 89 as our movie of the week is an 89 classic. So we talk about the music, we talk about the comic books, video games, all the cool shit that came out in 89. And uh, the movie of the week that we talk this week is none other than 1989's action-packed comedy classic, Tango and Cash, starring Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell. Freaking great movie. If you haven't seen it, do it. It's cool. It's rad, okay? Anywho, I'm going to shut up and uh, let uh, the boys take over. On with the show. Enjoy and stay rad. Dude, what's going on? Dude, mate, you know, I feel like I'm just having the weirdest sense of deja vu. And, uh... <laughs> Well, I mean, we, we the, the, to be fair, to let everyone know, we did start before, but we had testicle difficulties, technical we difficulties. Had testicle, testicular technical difficulties. Yeah, it was really bizarre, dude. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was, it was like a McDonald's drive-through. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, like, man. Pe- you, 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 oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you, you want to get? So- okay, okay, okay. Hey, before we. <laughs> This is where my deja vu is kicking in because I have a story to tell real quick, man. So, um, okay, so weirdest shit happened. And anyway, I had a bit of a delay. I had to go back in time to upload um, the Freaky Friday episode because some dickhead didn't uh, upload it for Friday's episode. Even though this today, at, as we speak, it is Saturday morning, but it's not, but it is, right? I'm, I'm not even going to go on my time. Don't. Just, 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 just <laughs> I'm just rolling with, with it. Just roll with this, bro. So anyway, I jump in the DeLorean, go back in time five minutes, crash the car. Um, I Before that, I managed to upload the episode, fucking made it back in time, crash the car. So you can't have the DeLorean. I'm sorry. Forgive me, sue me. Go to a Morrissey concert and get over it. Oh, Any fucking way. Yeah. Anywho. So 
I go for a walk to get some air and fucking go to IGA. Just I, I had no meaning, no purpose or anything or desire for anything other than just a morbid curiosity to go to IGA because I haven't been there for a while. I go in there, I walk in the aisles and rewind back to earlier in the day. I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm doing work. Um, there's an exhibition happening at South Bank called Curiosity. It's a bunch of... Yes, I want to go to that. Yeah, cool. So I was working on some of the art pieces, helping put it all together, making it all look cool and shit. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm writing a cue pack and I'm looking at the big billboard with Penn and Teller. I'm going, damn, this would be fucking cool to see because I fucking dig these guys. You know Penn and Teller, right? Well, yeah, dude. I mean, bull- bullshit's one of my absolute all-time favorite shows. Hey, dude, follow the script. You're supposed to say, does a bear shit in the woods? Does a bear shit in the woods? Very good. Okay, cool. <laughs> No, Bullshit this... is one of my all-time favorite shows. <laughs> I enjoy the comedy stylings of Penn and Teller. Yeah, yeah. Good thing the show isn't scripted, eh? <laughs> Not at all. We're big and successful so much that we have to run off the script. Yeah, teleprompters and everything. Yeah, the teleprompters fuck yeah. up. Like, I could start reading lines <laughs> from like Star Wars Rogue One at some point. You can read. Uh, not well. No, I didn't think so. About, about as well as I can write, so, you know. About, <laughs> about as good as me, anyway. You're doing pretty good. So, anyway, I'm in the IGA, and I'm thinking to myself, flashing back to my daytime at fucking South Bank, and going, damn, I'd love to see Penn and Teller. I'm in the IGA, walking down the aisles. I had, again, I had no reason for being there. I didn't want anything. I just had morbid curiosity. Um, And I walked down there, and the... I noticed this familiar looking short guy. And I'm like, I know that face. Eh, I'll leave him be. I keep walking. I'm standing at the fridge looking at um, various products going, I don't want anything. I don't need anything. I'm just looking for the sake of looking. This is one of the things you do in life. You find yourself in this position. Anyway, standing next to me doing probably the similar thing, but with an actual shopping um cart with items in it is a very tall man that looks strangely familiar and he's standing next to me um let's let's not forget that this man is not socially distancing either he's standing right next to me in a in a you know in a way that we could engage in a conversation and uh i i kind of glance and it's a very familiar looking miss uh pen i'm like what the fuck Penn and Teller, right? Uh, Teller joins us, and uh, there is no conversation. <laughs> That's just, unbelievably fucking awesome. I know, and I'm just standing there going, okay, I have one of two choices right now. I, I'm having a Clint Eastwood moment. I'm just going, okay, you can either A, go be a good Australian and get a jar of Vegemite and go, hey guys, welcome to Australia, and hand him the jar of Vegemite. Or you could be just shut the fuck up and leave him alone to shop. <laughs> what do you do, punk? What do you do? I went with option B. I just left him the fuck alone. Yeah, see, dude, I'm, man, I'm, I'm literally the same with stuff like that because I, there are so many people, I, I, I've, I've met and conversed with some, you know, extremely famous people and luckily they've been really, really cool. Yeah, there are like loads of people that I would love to meet and talk to and stuff Absolutely. like that. Absolutely, 
but I just kind of also don't want to. Number one, like, there's people like Clive Barker who I would yeah. literally fucking cut nearly anyone's throat to have a conversation with. <laughs> but it's like... I'd it's hate like, to see that. It's like one of those things where it's like, on the other hand, it's Clive Barker. What the fuck am I going to say to him and not sound like a fucking idiot? Like... The guy's sharp as a whip, more talented than like anyone. And it's like, what the fuck am I going to say to him? Oh, hi. I really like your books. <laughs> Remember when you wrote that book about the guy with pins in his head? You know, you, you know, when you made that movie, I really liked it. Like, that's the thing, man. It's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you would love to run into some of these people if you were just in a bar. Like, if you're right. just in a bar, like, chilling out, they pop up mm. in town, you're like, hey, holy fuck, it's you. Hey, man, yeah. you're, you're pretty yeah. cool. I really give yeah. you shit. Because someone, uh, what, ages ago, it was like, someone was like, oh, my God, like, Jim Butcher, who writes the Dresden yeah. Files. Yeah. He's like, you know, oh, he's going to be at Supernova. Are you going? I'm like, no. Oh, why not? This is a once-in-a-lifetime shit. I'm just like, dude. I love this guy's work. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with him about writing and shit like that. Mm. I really don't want to do it when I'm like the 89th fucking asshole standing in line, <laughs> walking up to him going, can you send my books? I really like your stuff. And I'm not shitting on fans, but it's like, you know, looking at it from his perspective, it's like, you've been there all day you're probably really grateful to be signing autographs for fans, but by like four in the afternoon, you're probably a little bit fucking over it. You just want to go home, have a Coke, have a shower, put your feet up and not fucking think about shit for a while, you know? Yeah. And I just, I always feel like I'm imposing on people when I do stuff like that. I can't be one of those fans. That's just like, Oh my God, I love you. And you know, I've watched all of your movies and listened to all of your music and you're just fucking awesome and you owe me time because yeah. I fucking paid you. Well, so that, that, I, I just can't do it. And I know, like, not all celebrities are going to go, like, oh, my God, you're an annoying asshole. Please fuck yeah. off. But I always feel like an annoying asshole. I mean, well, I generally feel like an annoying asshole yeah. in real life anyway. So That's kind know. of how I felt with these guys. I'm standing there. I'm, and, I mean, granted, I... I don't know who he was, but I'm I'm going to safely assume he was their manager or or their tour manager, and I'm just like just looking at this situation, going, I have the opportunity of a lifetime here to talk to two guys that I'll probably never see or see in concert or talk to ever. Period. Mm. And I just I was content with just having Penn and Teller stand next to me at a fridge in complete silence, like complete silence. Mm. And I was there for a good two minutes. I swear to God, man. So, I don't know. There, there's something remarkably, strangely cool about that moment. And but I have a question. Well, see, I I would I wouldn't have said anything either because I literally it's like I, I have read stuff Penn's written. I've watched like a lot of his shit, and it's just like, dude, you are so smart. Anything I'm going to say to you right now, I'm just going to sound like a fucking dribbling moron. Exactly. And, and, and he's, you know, I'm sure he'd probably, he probably would have been nice to me and he probably would have gone, oh yeah, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate being here in Australia. Yeah. Um, but I just, 
I just went, you know, no, nah, dude, they've probably, they've just obviously they've just finished playing a show. Um, I think the last thing they want to do is hear another, hey, I really like you guys. You know, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. So I just left them the fuck alone. But I do have a question for you, Jake. Here's a scenario situation where you talk about slitting throats to meet Clive Barker. But what if you were in an IGA and stand, approaching standing next to you is Trent Reznor? Now, let me preface this and say Trent Reznor is not having a good day. He's he looks visibly pissed off. He's buying for the sake of buying. To, to be the, fair, Trent always looks visibly pissed off. But like he just looks very like okay, okay. Him and the wife have just had a, a bit of a tiff, okay, because he bought the wrong cheese, and he's returned back to the IGA to get a new I've block of cheese. Said, hey, Trent, you should probably just go get back on heroin and record, you know, another few downward spirals. Probably. <laughs> but do you a leave him the fuck alone, or do you? Just engage in conversation, knowing fully well you are standing next to a man that has had a profound effect on your life. I would probably, on honestly, if pure one hundred percent honestly, I would probably just shit my pants and leave him alone. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would be too. like, "Holy fuck, I'm standing next to Trent." Right? It's like, what? Do you, it, it, that's one of those things, man. It's like there's certain people, um, and like. <sighs> meeting Henry Rollins and and that was through like a work sort of thing as well Mm. was really cool. Mm. Um, But there are, there's certain other people where it's like, like let's say Trent Reznor, James O'Barr, Clive Barker, people who have had like a fucking major impact, massive impact on my life and who I am as a person for better or worse. Um, What the fuck do you say to them? That hasn't already been said. And well, that's, said that's again, the thing, right? man. It's like, what do you say to them? How do you like? How do you express to someone what they, as a person and their art, has meant to you? Yeah, that they probably haven't heard a million times before from a million other mouth-breathing assholes, just like you. Yeah, well, you know what do you say? Like, well, it's one of those things where it's like. I feel like if you met people like that in a professional environment, like if you, if you met, like if I met Clive Barker, like writer to whatever the fuck I am, Hmm. um, you know, it it would, there would be an opportunity there to say like, you know, have a chat and just say, dude, look, man, I just really want to say like your work and who you are as a person has quite literally saved my life on occasions. And I just, really want to thank you for that and just let you know yeah. exactly how much you mean to me as a person, as a, a role model, as an inspiration, like, you know, fucking just thank oh you. Oh my dude. God. Like, can we, can we, can we cue the violins? Fuck me. Well, dude. You know, what like, the seriously, fuck? Like, you know, yeah. You know, I, I like, would do the same. I would do the same. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, yeah. in a professional environment, you know, there would be a chance to say shit like that and have yeah. it be, you know, just one-on-one and, you know, personal and just, like, a general, like, you know, dude, fucking high five. Okay, um, so, so now let me ask you. You're in that same situation and fucking Morrissey's standing next to you. What the fuck do you do, man? Do you, do you, do you, do you say... Open the fridge door really fast and <laughs> slam it into his head and just kind of go... <laughs> Sorry. 
Those blood stains wash out of polyester. <laughs> I think I was thinking something similar to that. Or, have... or you just turn to him and go, why are you such a cunt? I would, like... just, I would just turn to him and just say, why? And I, scream I, in his I... face, why? And then walk off. I just, I, I think with Morrissey, it would just be a case of like, dude, why are you such a cunt? Like, what's your problem with trans people? What's your problem with everything? Like, what is your problem? Why do you in exist? General? Like, why? Like, yeah. yeah, I just, yeah, you know. But yeah, I, I just think like something like that. It's like, you know, man, it's like, what the, but look, what the fuck do you say to Trent yeah. Reznor? Like, but the thing is, I've learned the, the wonderful art of just, humble gratitude man like i mean i mean uh, yeah, uh, yeah okay i've been in the fortunate position many occasions um on both sides of the fence but like if, for example like when i met axel rose okay now he's surrounded by a bunch of people all fucking just goo goo gar and saying the same sh- I don't know who the fuck they're, they're all hangers on backstage yeah. in his dressing room, like in his dressing room with 12 hookers. I, I've told this story before, but <laughs> but my point is all I did, I had every opportunity to just take over the conversation. And I just shook his hand and went, thank you. And walked off. That was yeah. it. It was like mic drop. Boom. Thanks. You know, that was it. I, I left it at that. And I did the, I've done the same with other people before, man. I just, like uh, John Karabi. Motley yeah. Crew, right? I just said, dude, there's a million things I could say that, you know, I, I just want to say thanks, dude. Uh, yeah. I just said, thanks for fucking being an influence on my singing. And he go, and that's when he smiles and looks at me, he goes, that's why I do what I do. You know? Like, yeah. they they appreciate that rather than hearing the, oh, well, I fucking love your album, man. You're so sick, dude. And like, you know. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I know because I have heard this probably 50 million times today. So shut the fuck up. Well, it, it, and it's one of those things. I always, I've, I've had, I've had, a, and I mean, you know, anyone listening is going to just be like, oh my God, get over yourself. But I've mm. actually had people do that to me. Like I've had people like, oh my God, you're such a talented, you know, people who've read my shit or yeah, yeah. people who've seen, you know, the fucking one movie that I've got out there or some of my shorts and stuff like that. And, you know, oh, I want to sign copy of this and I want to sign. It always makes me really uncomfortable because, I mean, number one, I'm fucking awful at taking compliments. Like I'm just. It's a weird <clears throat> art, man. It, it is. I, I'm really bad at it. So I usually just kind of, you know, retreat like a turtle into my self-deprecating shit. Like, oh, man, if I sign you a copy of that, it's going to devalue it. You know? <laughs> like, well, I mean, look, for, for me, I'm, I'm forever grateful for the experiences I've had over the years with, with the band. Like, you know, part of doing, I, you know, part of the service of what we've done is I always valued, excuse me, manning the um, merch table first. Yeah. You know, like I was probably the most exhausted, you know, I, I, no, I shouldn't say that, but I, you know, I'm, my body is my instrument and I was very exhausted by the end of my show. You know, I followed the D Snyder attitude of, you know, if you, if you uh, finish a show and you can still fucking perform, then you haven't given a hundred percent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would just go to exhaustion and, but I would still make my way over to the the merch table. 
because I knew that people wanted to meet the band. People wanted their CD signed. Plus, I knew we could, you know, sell stuff more easier by being there so that people could have their stuff signed. And and part of that was have listening to people tell you know, what their favourite songs were. You know, um, I've had people tell me fucking how much of an impact they've, you know, we've had on their uh, on their kids' lives and, um, you know, helping, helping them through autism and uh, cancer. Yeah. Um, hell, fuck, man. I, I had one guy tell me he fucking was contemplating suicide and then he saw us and fucking, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. It changed his perspective. So, you know, there's... It's weird, you know, it, it, it is, it's a strange thing. It's not for everyone, but man, I, I value and appreciate the experiences I've had and, and been able to, um, you know, inspire people to go on and do, you know, good things in life. So, well, yeah. It, it's, it's always really weird because it, it, I, I just, it's not that I struggle with it. Like, I really love that, you know, if someone's watched something I've written or directed or mm. read something that I've written or whatever, and it's had an impact on them, it's like, cool. I'm mm. fucking so happy about that. And I'm so glad that it did that. Because, like, yeah, half the reason I got into doing the shit that I do is because I wanted to like, you know, back when I was like, you know, I, I would watch certain movies and if I was having like a rough day or something like that, it would make me feel better. I would, you know, it'd just be like, Oh wow. Someone out there has, and it would be the same with you guys for like, you know, songs and, and mm. stuff like that. It's like mm. someone out there has felt the way that I feel right now and they've gotten through it and yeah, cool. And they've, you know, used it as fuel for something. And that's mm. awesome. Mm. So it's cool to know that you've had that kind of effect on someone. Cause that's why you kind of do what you do, but it's always really weird, especially when you're not good with taking compliments and oh, for sure. know, most of the time you're just like going, you're looking at stuff that you've done and gone, I suck. I should just stop doing this and just wear a bag over my head for the rest of my life and call myself X. And I should not be, there should be some sort of law brought into place where I'm not allowed to touch a keyboard ever again because I am terrible at this. Don't you normally so, wear a bag over your head? Yeah, usually. Just yeah, a, okay. A paper just one. Just yeah, yeah. Tits and giggles. Like, yeah, you know, I, when I, I, when I, I want to go ones. incognito. When yeah. I want to go to IGA and go shopping <laughs> and not get hassled, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a random <laughs> fucking story, but dude. But, you know, it's kind of like, you know, someone would just come up to you on IGA and get, dude, you should really go to Woolies. It's much cheaper. <laughs> well, dude, there was a part of me that was looking at the cheese. Like, he was he was looking at um, dairy-free cheese and stuff like that. You know, he's look, obviously, you know, looking after himself a bit more, making some health-conscious decisions. And I was like, there was a part of me that was tempted to go, you should try that cheese, even though I hadn't tried it, you know? But I was like, nah, <laughs> this is not aid. No, fuck this. I'm leaving it. Fuck it. So, but it, hey. It, it, is, it is really weird though, man, to like get like the compliments and stuff like that. Like it's strange. And it's not that I don't appreciate it. It's just mm. that there's a part of me that never really believes it. It's like, oh, you'd spend nice. <laughs> yeah. It does get weird for like, I mean, it, 
for the sorry, sorry, I, I've cut you off here, but no, like, no, 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 but no, no. I mean, it took me so long, and and still, I get, I'm still wrapping my head around the fact that people enjoy what I do. So I think for you, it's, I think it's important if people are giving you compliments, just take it. Like you don't have to, you well, know, leap out. I think also, form. yeah, I think also it's it's you know because you and I do it on very different levels because it's like. With the band, you get that immediate reaction. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you guys are up on stage. You get that immediate reaction from yeah. the crowd yeah. going, oh, wow, they dig us. Cool. Yeah. Whereas as a writer and a director, it's there's a it's big a different disconnect. Yeah, like, yeah. there is a massive disconnect. It's like, you know, unless you're fucking doing fucking Jurassic Park or some shit like that, and, you know, you wake up tomorrow morning and you're like the number one movie in the world and you mm. can go, oh, well, I guess people dig it. Mm. When you're doing it like on an independent level and stuff like that, there is a very big, like, you have no fucking idea. Like, yeah, you well, that's have it. no clue if people like your shit or hate it or whatever. So it's it's really strange and interesting when people come up and say oh i really liked it or something like that because you're just kind of going wow really well yeah <laughs> you, you saw that fucking thing yeah um totally but the weirdest one for me was i wrote a short film uh this would have been about maybe four or five years ago um right. and it was uh basically about uh domestic violence okay um and it was written as a, a show real piece of someone and you know um some people brought it off me and, and made it and stuff like that. And um, someone told me uh, there was a screening um, and I went to the screening and uh, this lady came up to me afterwards and was like, that was really powerful. I, I was just, I was in the screening and I, it was one of those screenings where it's just like, I'm the writer. No one's fucking paying attention to me. Everyone's focused on the director and the actors and stuff like that. And I'm just sitting in the back going, yeah, yeah, write a life. Cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, there's been a little part of you going, none of you fuckers would be here if it wasn't for me <laughs> and my work. Um, but you just kind of get used to that shit. And you just go, oh, yeah, whatever. I'm the writer. I'm the invisible man. It's all good. Um, but it was really, really funny because uh, this little late old lady sort of came up to me afterwards and was like, you know, oh, thank you for writing. Are you the writer? And I'm like, yeah. I'm just like, and every time someone says that at a screening, I'm just waiting for the inevitable. You're horrible. That's fucking awful. Why would you write such awful things? Because um, uh. I've, gotten, I've gotten that before. Like, I've gotten that before. It's like, person who wrote this movie sick i'm like yeah that was me um <laughs> sorry Gold. um but um yeah she came up to me and she's like oh are you the writer i'm like yeah um waiting for the inevitable oh fuck here we go and she's like oh thank you you know that was really powerful and and you know i i can't believe you wrote that so well and blah 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 and i'm like oh thanks and i'm like that was random um okay and then someone came up to me afterwards and was like, oh, yeah, that's such and such as mum. She's actually been through domestic violence and she it really meant a lot to her to see that portrayed on screen. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and I'm just sort of like thinking like, ah, oh, I really should have said something more than thank you or engaged in a conversation. But I'm just like so fucking socially awkward when people give me compliments. Yeah. Like, ah. We don't know what to do here. Uh, thanks, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, 
you know, uh, well, I hope you have a good Christmas and nobody dies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, shit. It's like, I suck. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's so strange. So that's why I, I always kind of like feel weird about engaging um you know celebrities or 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 whatever like if i see them in the wild you know it's sort of like a uh i know how awkward this shit makes me feel they're probably used to it it's still like you know it's like i just don't want to annoy anyone it's my whole thing no that's fair that's fair oh it's good we're off to a good start (laughs) we are we are this is good um (laughs) you saw penn and teller and i'm socially awkward Ah, hey, it's fucking, it's a wonderful world. In case you missed the first 20 minutes of the episode, that's what it was all about. Yeah, dude. (laughs) I'm loving it. Quick, quick recap. mm, I tell you, Rob, but um, speaking of wonderful world, man, 19, you know, lately we've been having some great discussions about particular years. And whilst this isn't a, um, sadly not an 87 moment, 1989, which is a segue into our topic of discussion for this week. Um, 1989 is a fucking interesting year, dude. Like, 89 was a pretty good one, too, man. The World Wide Web was invented. Oh, yeah. I I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but the internet came to life in 89. Um, Tim Berners-Lee, software engineer. I always engineer, thought, Sky, I always thought Skynet went online August 29th, 1997. Well, maybe it did. Maybe. Maybe. 89. Yeah. Ooh, it's fucking coming in early there. Um, the Berlin Wall came down. So, yeah. I, you know. Scorpions uh, released Winds of Change, and I still haven't fucking gotten that song out of my head since 1989. No. You know, you know there's cover, ba- there's cover uh, acts in Malaysia. Uh, and this is true because I saw it firsthand. At almost every bar you go to in Malaysia, the the cover band will inevitably play "Wind of Change." Oh wow! Inevitably, really? yes. And but but they play it well because they can fucking play their instruments and sing like motherfuckers. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. But um, the other thing about the Berlin Wall too is uh, I, I don't know if you recall David Hasselhoff performed. I do remember David Hasselhoff performed on the Berlin Wall. I can't say I watched it, but I did. I didn't watch it at all, but um, I know he did it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, yeah. That's one way to bring a wall down. Just bring in the Hoff. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and and also the very first episode. I wonder if he did it in the Baywatch, like Red Trunks. Yeah, no. Wouldn't I, it be cool I, no, if he did it in the Baywatch red trunks and the Night Rider leather jacket? No, well, like he, if he just kind of mishmashed everything. You got one out of two right. He did the Night Rider jacket, so That's he just he unbelievably it. awesome. I'm pretty sure he did. I, I don't know. I'll have to go back to the video, but this for some weird reason, I, I want to say that the Night Rider jacket was was out in force. I'm ready for us to lie and to say that it happened because it's just an awesome story, right? Totally. But um, did you also know 89 was this f- the very first episode of The Simpsons, Ed? Yes. Yes, it was. on the Tracy Ullman show, wasn't it? Was it? Uh, was it on the Tracy Ullman uh, show? Or was it just the first? Was it, or was it the, no, it might have been like the first like official episode. Yeah, right. That's crazy. Mm, I'd have to do some research. But there, yeah, like there's so much cool shit that happened in '89. Like cool shit, like a a four thousand four hundred year old mummy was discovered. 
Um, the first GPS satellite satellite went into orbit. Um, whatever. Um, was so, yeah. am I wrong? Was Pretty Hate Machine released in 1989? Jake, really? You are correct. I thought I fucking was. Yeah, and I'm looking for it here, and it's not mentioned in this fucking BuzzFeed chart. So go fuck yourself, BuzzFeed, you Morrissey fucking fans. <laughs> but um, yeah, fucking, so, amateurs. fucking amateurs. Seinfeld came out also in '89. Yeah, yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. Nintendo popped out the Game Boy. That was a great moment. Um, Guns and Roses win Best Heavy Metal Video. Uh, the Little Mermaid came in, came to fruition. Whoop de fucking do, Batman. Um, Batman, yes, um, yeah, and it just goes on. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the top grossing film of '89 was Batman, four hundred and eleven million dollars worldwide. Which is no real shock, considering you know we've. We, I mean, we've already go, go listen to our Batman year episode. Fucking a, dude. We, it we, was covered, great. we covered that pretty well. It was good, good. Because it buzz according to BuzzFeed, it says Michael Keaton made an unlikely Batman. Jack Nicholson made a perfect Joker. Together, they grossed over four hundred eleven million dollars worldwide and won the Film and Academy Award. Fucking idiots! But anyway, um, shut up, BuzzFeed. Just yeah, shut up. Sh- just shut the fuck no up. One, no one likes you. Go home, you drunk. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it just goes on a bit. But dude, yeah. I mean, Pretty Hate Machine not mentioned. I'm a bit pissed off about that. But anywho, um. But yeah, dude, it was great year, man. Great. Well, man, that whole I feel like that whole I I, I, I kind of feel like um I, I was gonna say eighty five, but really eighty four to about eighty nine was a bit of a golden era for cinema, I think. Yeah. It was. Um because there was a lot of good shit, man. I mean, I, I feel like eighty seven was a bit of a peak, like eighty six, eighty seven was a bit of a that was a bit of a sweet spot, but um, well, eighty nine, like yeah, we've we've been threatening to talk about eighty seven because we've done so many rad movies from eighty seven. But eighty nine, okay, here's here's a bit of a short list for you, um, and I won't mention them all. But uh, Drugstore Cowboy came out in eighty nine. I haven't. Was, oh, I, dude, I haven't seen it. I'm an idiot. Killer movie, right? I I, I just want to see Kelly Lynch and not the. You know, she's a completely different Kelly Lynch, obviously, back then. But, um, yeah, I thought she was hot in that. Anywho, um, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. I haven't seen that either. Um, oh, James, man, James I haven't seen Spader. that for years. I haven't yeah. seen that for years. But that was uh, Steven Soderbergh's first first one, I think. Yeah. Who would go on to, you know, such luminary stuff as Ocean's Eleven. Right. And um, Traffic, I think, and a few other, a few other biggies. Damn. Uh, Parenthood came out. That was a great movie. That was a good movie. That was fun. It's good fun. Um, what else? What else? Oh shit. Um, oh yeah, Heather's great movie. I, oh fuck, dude, we have so got to talk about Heather's. I know. Today. I, I know, fucking love that movie. I finally watched it. It's fucking. Oh great. really? Yeah. Yeah, dude, I saw that as a kid, man. I literally saw that on VHS, yeah, well, uh, like '89 when it came out, like because yeah. I think it was it was out at the end of the year on VHS, and it was just like whoa what the fuck am i watching this is wild dude this is a fucking crazy list of fucking cool movies that came out in 89 holy shit dude this is mental okay cool um i'll i'll, I'll just give you a quick short list um do the right thing i haven't seen that but you know uh spike lee man fucking yeah good good flick great flick uh, uh 
Born on the 4th of July, Tom Cruise. Rain Man, Tom Cruise. I mean, Cruise had two films out that year. What the fuck? Um, the Rain F- Man was massive. It was, right? Like, I remember that movie. It was just huge. Like, yeah, it was it powerful was movie. Massive. Yeah. yeah. Um, James Cameron's 89 epic that uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone thought it was going to be something that it wasn't. The Abyss. Oh, yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> and in my most joyous voice, can I tell you, Jake, that I have not seen The Abyss? <laughs> oh, haven't you? Dude, it's good. It's honestly, it's honestly know, really, really good. Bro, it's fucking hard it's to find good. nowadays. Like, it has not gotten a Blu-ray release yet, which look, is insane to me. Look, you're preaching to the choir here. I know it's good, but I haven't seen it. And I have no definitive reason as to why i haven't seen it i'm just a fucking idiot that i haven't seen it um but anyway we also have indiana jones and the last crusade oh which was lovely fantastic. lovely film gross uh, just gross a modest 197.17 million dollars that's all that oh, is that all yeah, yeah uh when harry met sally you know that movie you know that movie with that one scene that everyone talks about you know you, this is gonna be great i've not seen when harry met sally okay cool all right it's um I know I know the scene. I know the scene. I've I've seen like enough bits of that movie to know like the kind of deal it's... around it. Look but um look it's just one of those flicks that I've just never watched. Same really? with Fleetless in Seattle. It's just one of those yeah. movies that I've just look, like I've just never watched it. Yeah, look, it's it's if there's a reason to watch it, Carrie Fisher, that's it. Um mm. well yeah, I, I don't know, there's other reasons, but yeah, look it. Don't don't cry if you don't see it. Um, Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner. Holy, that was a good movie, dude. That was a fucking great movie. I fucking love that movie. Uh, Dead Poets Society. Haven't seen it. Oh, um, yeah, Dead Poets Society is um, it's a great film, but it's it's a heavy flick. <laughs> well, you know what's heavy is this triple. I'm going to rattle off t- tr- three fucking movies that are just going to hit you like a fucking slam dunk. Lethal Weapon 2, Major League, and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, those are three absolutely fantastic movies. Yeah, three movies worthy of discussion. I honestly think think, uh, Lethal Weapon 2 is one of those movies that people tend to forget when they talk about sequels that are better than the original. Because I love Lethal Weapon. Yeah, I really think Lethal Weapon Two is a sequel that surpasses the original. Yeah, I think it's the it's the aliens to Lethal Weapon's Alien. I think so too, man. I, I, you know what? I'm I'm going to agree with you on this because you you can't say that you're you're blip. (laughs) Free South Africa, you dumb son of a bitch! You dumb son of a bitch! (laughs) Your diplomatic immunity's been revoked. Boom. Oh fuck me! But Major League, great, no, great, it's a great movie, great movie. Um, Major League, fucking Major cool. League's fantastic. Yeah, um, like, but I mean, yeah, I, you know, it's a big call. I, out of those three, it's a tough call. But uh dude, Bill and Ted, I just yeah. that movie's fucking magic. Yeah. Um, there's there's a couple others that I'll quickly mention too. License to Kill. Um, ah. Timothy Dalton's uh, 007 fucking... Uh, I think that was his first one. I don't know. I can't remember. But, uh, yeah, that was a killer. And mm. 
Al Pacino, Sea of Love, haven't seen it. Don't know. If oh my it. god, Sea of Love's fucking great. Okay, cool. Uh, and of course, Batman. But uh, the other one was Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have they... a weird feeling. No, I th- actually I think no. That was that might have actually it might have been eighty nine. Was when License to Drive came out with Corey Haim and Corey Feldman as well. Probably. Or that could have been eighty eight, probably, and yeah, it's um, I don't know. I, I feel like there's, you know, there's a bunch of movies that have missed this list, um, but yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Like just such such incredible fucking list of um movies that came out that year. Well, I feel like it's one of those things, man, where it's like, you know, a lot of this stuff in the 80s, like late, late 80s and stuff like that, it's like, I feel like, and I don't want to go on a, you know, Cinema Today sucks, Rand, yeah. because it's like, Cinema Today doesn't suck. Like, there is a lack of original content that isn't adapted from something out there, but that's just because Hollywood is lazy and playing it safe because it's like, well, hey, if we make this thing that's based on this other thing that sold 8 million copies, that's 8 million people that might go see this movie, so we might make this much money. But mm. I do feel like, you know, at least back in the in the like the late 80s and stuff like that, like, you know, there was a lot more diversity the cinema and a lot more diversity in like movies that were making a shitload of money. Yeah. Like, I mean, can you imagine like, whether you like the movie or not, Dirty Dancing coming out now. Now, I mean, I remember man, like when Dirty Dancing came out, it was a fucking phenomenon. Like everyone fucking loved that movie. Like, and it's like literally kind of just like a drama with, you know, Patrick Swayze cruising around with his shirt off and, you know, dancing basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that—that that kind of movie came came out now. It would just be like a straight to Netflix thing, and you know, it would just be there and gone within a week. Like you know, people would just be like, "Oh yeah, it was really good," and you know, next week we're on to the next thing. Yeah, true that, true that. It's um, like you could, you know, back then it's like you could have movies like Dirty Dancing in the theater at the same time as like fucking Aliens or something like that, like. You, you'd go to the movies and just be like, hey, what do I want to see? Do I want to see, uh, you know, romantic drama? Do I want to <laughs> see a comedy? Do I want to see action? Do I want to see sci-fi? Do I want to see horror? It's the 80s, so there's probably... I've got a good chance of walking in and finding out there's either a Nightmare on Elm Street movie or a Friday the 13th playing. Um, you know, there was just so much variety, whereas it's yeah. kind of like... You go to the movies now, it's just kind of like, okay, sequel, comic movie, sequel, comic movie crazy comedy animated kids movie remake reboot it's just kind of yeah i just it's on one hand it's so great to be living in an era where it's like you know fuck me like you know guardians of the galaxy have got their own movie who would have thunk well that's Um, it i mean 89 was you know in music 89 was the year that we got fucking head like a hole um nine inch nails and fuck there's actually a lot of cool fucking music that came out in 89. Did you know that, Jake? Yeah, 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 man. Yeah, for sure. Um, for example, Love Shack, the B-52s. Yeah. Um, getting into more of our vibe, fucking po- Poison, Alice Cooper, 18, yeah. uh, Skid Road, pumped out their fucking self-titled debut. 
Yep. Um, um, Fire by the Cult. Yep. Bad English with that fucking monster ballad. When I see oh, you, oh Jesus smell. Christ! Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a dirty taste. What was this? Like, what did we get a big? I'm, I'm fucking. I'm sure it was either eight, you know, eighty-eight or eighty-nine. Did we get a big Slayer album in eighty-nine? Jack had. Well, that's a great question. Um, was season? No, Doctor Feel. I, I tell you, Doctor Feelgood also came out in eighty-nine. Yeah, yeah, Doctor Feelgood for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, yeah. Um, no, no more tears was nineteen ninety. That was uh, Aussie. Yeah, that was Aussie. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. South Which, of Heaven. South of Heaven. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Because I was like, yeah, it wasn't fucking Seasons in the Abyss. It was um, South yeah, it was the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, there was there was heaps of shit. Like, uh, yeah, Doc, you know, Motley Crue came back strong with fucking the, the Doctor Feelgood album. The Cure had pictures of you. Fucking Skid Row self-titled debut. Fucking yeah, it was eighty-nine. Was a good year, and in comic books, fucking I won't go into a big list of it, but the most memorable of that that the fucking list that came out then was um, Marvel Comics Big Inferno fucking crossover yes. series. Yep, which that I was a great. Well, one. That's still one of my favorite X Men crossovers. It was good, right? There's fucking the Hellfire Club and. Uh, yeah, still one of my all-time favorites. Mephisto, cut and sick, yeah. Yeah, that was that whole uh, Madeline Pryor thing got uh, sorted out with uh, her and Jean Grey and Sinister and all that. Yeah. 89 was when, you know, we were at the peak of, like, Mark Silvestri on the X-Men, Todd McFarlane on Spidey, you had Jim Lee and Will Sportatio on The Punisher, like, you know, gearing up to move over to the X-Men. Batman so, Year 3. Yes. Um, what else do we have? It was the height of like all the uh, Justice League International stuff, which was really, really yeah, fun and cool. Yeah. Atlantis, um, uh, Atlantis Attacks hit the Marvel comics as well. I think it was DC's big invasion crossover Invasion as well. was the big yeah. one. Were you a fan of that, that storyline? I Okay, so weirdly, I really liked a lot of the crossover stuff from Invasion. Yeah, the crossover the, stuff was better than the, the actual the story. The main series was kind of leaving me a bit cold. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of like a good idea that didn't quite, I feel, didn't quite go to plan the way it was intended. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think there was elements of it that went really well. And, and, and you, you know, you still see remnants of the aliens in today's comics. Mm. In, in... Well, I feel like all the crossover stuff, because I read a lot of the, um, what was the big DC shit I was reading at the time? I was reading Batman, I was reading Justice League International and Starman and Firestorm. Yeah, man. Fucking good times, the, right? Yeah, a lot of the crossover stuff in like uh, Justice League International and, and Starman and stuff like that was really cool and awesome. Yeah. And then you got to the main series, and the art was nice because it was like Bart Sears and Todd McFarlane doing the art. But the actual story was just like it's like snap a car and a bunch of aliens stuck on a ship trying to get out. And then, yeah. like, by like issue three, like, you know, actual superheroes appear. And as mm. a kid, like, if I went back and reread it now, I'd probably think it was pretty good. But yeah. as a kid, you're just like, where the fuck's like, where's Superman? Where's Firestorm? Where's Batman? Like, where's the gang? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, man, look, fucking, yeah, some interesting shit going on in 89 for comics, man. Like, um, mm. yeah, there was some good shit. But uh, 
yeah, man, like music was good, comics was good, video games, the Game Boy, like it was a fucking good time to be alive, dude. Well, and I think as well, just going back to comics briefly, I think a lot of the indie stuff was really kicking off then because I feel like Mirage Studios were really kicking into high gear with Turtles because uh, this was just before Turtle Mania started hitting. Yeah, this is when they were still in the black and white phase, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, that was, it and, was fun. Um, I feel like there was I, – I may be wrong here, and if I am, someone correct me, but I feel like uh, Matt Wagner's Grendel was really going strong then as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, Which I is think, such I a think you're about right. Yeah. So, I mean, the, it's, it was a good time to be alive, man. Really, <laughs> really, really good time, man, and, and there's so much good shit. But th- this week's rad episode – Jake, you and me decided we were going to talk about a fucking cool movie that surfaced in 89. But before we do, I do have to give it up for a monumental moment in 1989. I got punched in the head by a girl's boyfriend because I made out with her in grade seven. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck yeah. American guy named Matthew Little punched me in the face because I made out with Megan. That is awesome, man. So you got punched in the head. Not just by anyone, but an American. Uh, it was the first of many lumps, physically <laughs> and emotionally, that I have taken for love. Or, you know, making out with a cute curly-headed brunette in grade seven. That's gold, man. <laughs> Fucking hell. That's crazy <laughs> shit, man. Yeah, it walked up to me and just socked me in the head. Just wow. Right in the middle of lunchtime. I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. First punch feeling crazy man yeah 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 and it was it was really really strange because i kind of just stood there like i just didn't react or anything and just kind of like i I didn't like go out i didn't like go down or anything like that this guy just like punched me and i just kind of stood there looking at him like what the fuck dude that is so weird peas in a pod man i'm having a like okay i had a similar moment but not for those reasons but my mates and me were fucking... Which is why you will always be smarter than I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. that kind of stuff. I don't know. But, like, dude, we, my 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 best friends and me were in the city, had, you know, doing our thing, fucking going, buying comic books, playing video games, having a good day. And then we go, we go, um, in the Queen Street Mall, we got fucking pulled up by some, some uh, Asian dudes. And one of them goes, what did you say about Asians? I'm like, what do you mean? What are you talking about, dude? And before I could say another thing, he fucking sucker punches me in the head. And the same reaction happened. The exact same reaction. I just stood there and looked at him and went, what? And they just kind of like, it was just Mexican standoff. They didn't know what to do because I just stood there and just didn't fucking react the way he thought I was going to react and well that that's the funny thing I'm just like because uh, 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 I remember this dude like socking me in the yeah. fucking in the snoot and I'm just like what like what why did you do that like I was like you know I didn't like cry I didn't like run away same. I didn't, like I didn't jump at him or anything no. like that I just kind of stood there I was just like looking at him and he gave me some big fucking tough guy speech. Stay away from my woman. Wow. One of those fucking ape things. And I'm just kind of looking at him just going, dude, what? what? <laughs> like... yeah. And then he just walked away and I'm just kind of standing there and everyone's just like, oh my God, you should have hit him back. I'm like, 
I'm still processing that this guy just randomly came up and punched <laughs> me. You're like, what? What? That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy time. Uh, but, but before we before we get into the the movie too, uh, we got to give it up to like the arcades of 1989. Absolutely, like, there were some awesome games coming out around then. Was Double Dragon around that time period? Yeah, Double Dragon was around that time period. Yeah, man, um, games were getting good. It was good time. Good time I for think, games, I dude. Think, you know, some of, some of the first big, like you know, the <sighs> four player things came in. Like mm. you know, like um, oh, fuck. I want to say like the Ninja Turtles game, but I don't think that was '89. I think that was a couple of years later. But right, there was some cool shit. Yeah, dude, it was uh, it was electrifying, man. Like, I, I um, I'm just quickly examining to see what we got. 89 well obviously batman the video game came out but um we also had super mario land castlevania 3 ducktales final fight yes yes big yes and you're right teenage mutant ninja turtles the game did come out in 89 i thought so i thought it was either it or the x-men one we also had willow who framed roger rabbit (laughs) um wwf wrestlemania um yeah, the, the Golden Axe 1989 came out. Fuck yeah. Oh, shit, yeah, man. I remember that. Fuck. <laughs> the Revenge of Shinobi. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Um, yeah, there were some good ones. Ghostbusters 2, Rambo 3, Indiana Jones. I mean, the list goes on, dude. There was so many. Tetris. Yeah. Tetris. Wow, that was big. But um, oh, I have wasted so many fucking hours on Tetris. It's amazing. Yeah, but there was a lot of good games in 89, man. So, yeah, fucking good time to be alive, dude. But, yes. Um, yes, we have to do it. Um, time's ticking on, and we got we got to get into this fucking movie. Otherwise, yes, we'll yes, be we do. fucking we do. We'll just all be weekend. Forever. Yeah, <laughs> we could easily. But um, <laughs> 89, our movie of the week this week is a 1989 fucking gem bringing together two of our favorite fucking action stars uh, in in one movie. We're talking about 1989's Tango and Cash. What a fucking cool movie. Dude, like, this, this movie is such a fucking good time. Like, it, it, it's just, it, it's like, you know, as far as the, the buddy cop genre goes, this is probably one of my all-time faves. Yeah, and, and, you know, to be fair, there was quite a substantial amount of buddy cop films coming out during oh, the 80s, man. fuck yeah, man. Like, like, it was, a long it was like, It was the go-to sort of genre for action stuff. Like, yeah. you had 48 Hours, Lethal Weapon. Red um, Heat. Red Heat. <laughs> Canine. Uh, yeah, yeah, Turner and Hooch. Um, <laughs> top Dog, you know, every, everyone was getting on the dog thing. I mean, Top Dog is Chuck Norris. Where's so, the yeah. fucking cat? Come on, I wanted some cat action. Um, but, you know, um, you know, you, like, yeah, like you had your lethal weapons, you had, um, yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, Point Break was the 90s, but, yeah. you know, you also had um, Midnight Run with yeah. De Niro, Charles Grodin. Um, but there, you was, know, there, there was a there was ton. Him. But and, then... Stallone and Kurt Russell together on the one the one screen man like that dude that's just fucking that's just a stroke of genius absolutely know? and I feel like you know one of the really cool and clever parts of this was that Stallone was playing so against type 
He really was, man. Like well, he. He was yeah. playing like the because I mean the breakdown of this movie in a nutshell for for you uh, radmeisters that haven't seen this film, you've got it's basically the odd couple of cops. You've got yeah, the, the, literally the odd couple. Like you've got Kurt Russell's character, which is the streetwise fucking uh, you know rough looking detective. Yeah, yeah, he's a real fucking rogue, like, you know, a bit of a loose can. Five o'clock shadow, know, you know. Yeah, you know, grungy. Yeah. Got the mullet, the mullets in full The mullet. Flight. And kudos to his mullet. I think Kurt Russell rocks one of the best mullets in Hollywood. I think Kurt Russell rocks the best mullet in Hollywood. Period. Like, for I the think, 80s. Like, I think he it, still it, rocks his mullet, doesn't he? I mean, I think he does. Like, I mean, that thing came in around the thing and it stayed all the way through, like, Escape from New York. It all survived, yeah. Young Cash, too. like overboard, yeah. like that hair didn't change, and it was fucking glorious like, the whole grunge, way through. Not even grunge could kill his mullet, dude. No, man, no, no, yeah. no. It, it was, it's, it's a timeless mullet. Yeah, that's the it thing. Really is. It, it is. You have to appreciate. It. You have to respect it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You really, you really do. Yeah, you um, really do. <laughs> and then, then you got like Stallone, who's playing, you know, uh, Tango, Johnny, who's like, yeah, Johnny Suave. Yeah, he's like, you know, in the three-piece fucking Armani suit. He's, you know, really well-spoken. You know, his his character's like playing the stock market and shit like that, which was really against type because it's like pretty much action movie-wise for most of the 80s, like we'd seen Sly as either Rocky or Rambo. You know, a few little side, you know, journeys uh, <laughs> into Cobra and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I was that. about to say, you, you, uh, you... You're, you, man, my heart was beating then, dude. Like it, like I'm gonna forget Cobra. Come yeah, on, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yes, folks. If you haven't watched, if you haven't listened to our Cobra episode, that's another good one to listen to too. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I, I just thought it was really clever and kind of ingenious to have Sly playing against, like, and also taking the piss out of himself. That whole Rambo is a pussy. Yeah, like, yeah, that like, was good. That was good. But like, uh, it was really fun. But these two cops come together in a, you know, under bizarre, well, you know, circumstances that lead it lead them together, uh, and they inevitably get framed, uh, go to jail. Fucking, I've probably really fucked up my synopsis of this film. No, well, it's it's, it's basically like you know they're the two top cops in the city, and yeah. you know both the, of the crime syndicates or all the crime syndicates, like crime bosses that are suffering losses at the hands of these two superstars, basically band together to frame them and send them to prison where they will hopefully get killed. Um, and of course, you know, because it's Sly and Kurt, they're not going to take this shit lying down and, uh, you know, engineer a uh, rather ingenious jailbreak from prison and uh, set out to clear their names. Yeah, exactly. It's quite an interesting um, turn of circumstance how these two came together because, um I don't know if you know or not, and you probably do know, which I wouldn't be surprised, but Patrick Swayze was originally cast as Cash, but dropped out to star in Roadhouse, which also came out in 89. Great movie. Uh, yeah, I, I think, look, I could totally, I, I had heard that, and I can totally see Patrick Swayze in that role, but I think Roadhouse was a way better movie for him because Roadhouse just fucking rules. Now, here's an interesting one for you. Did you know that Kurt Russell was originally considered and offered the role of Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon in 87, but turned I it down? I had heard that, yeah. Like, can you imagine Lethal Weapon with Kurt Russell? I'm just, oh, I'm kind of glad that it didn't turn out that way. I love Kurt Russell, but dude, yeah, 
I don't know, man. Yeah, I just don't know whether it would have worked as well. Like, mm. I love Kurt Russell. I just can't see him bringing that fucking bug-eye crazy intensity that Mel Gibson gives to Riggs as a character. Yeah. Like, Kurt Russell's just a bit too lovable, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's Kurt Russell. Like, even when he's Snake Plissken, you fucking love the dude. Like, you know, you don't ever sort of think like, oh, he's a bit dangerous and crazy. It's just like, ah, it's Kurt. Come on. Yeah, gonna, yeah. You know, the cameras are going to go off and he's going to crack wise. Exactly, <laughs> dude. You know, you know, interesting thing about Kurt Russell here is uh, we haven't seen Kurt Russell in The Expendables yet. No, and we fucking need to. We have to see this. You know, he, he was offered the role of Mr. Church that went to Bruce Willis. So, oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. But, and I'm curious because they've finished or are still making number four. So I'm, I'm really hoping we see a Kurt, Kurt Russell fucking cameo in there somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. But these two guys in this film, which also stars Jack Palance, um, yeah. fucking, yeah, masterful and, actor. And... Brian James, oh, who yeah. everyone would recognize as like, you know, bad guy or scumbag B to C from a lot of 80s movies. Like he, I mean, he was in Blade Runner, obviously he was in Red Heat. He's like, he's like, you're, he was the stock standard bad guy of the 80s, but he gets a really big part in this as this fucking insane South African fucking henchman <laughs> who's just brilliant and yeah just oh man there's oh, there there's so a lot many of great yeah, scenes of this yeah. movie like I mean you know if you want a movie that's packed with great comedy and just superior action and lots of shit getting blown up and guns blazing dude look no further Tango and Cash is your movie it is oh, it fucking great and just you know great like just great fucking razor sharp witty dialogue in this movie and you know with stallone and kurt russell you've just got two actors who just really play off each other well like it feels like i mean i don't know how close these two dudes were on set or anything like that no the performance comes across like a genuine friendship between the two of them like they bounce off each other so fucking well well. just like those those um those opening scenes together when they when they first meet and they're going uh, um you know just like basically comparing the size of their dicks yeah 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 going basically he's going well i'm the tough cop and no, yeah. I'm the tech cap, you know. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Uh, was, I heard you're the number two cop in LA. Funny, I heard the same thing about you. Yeah, that, that's the scene, man. It was fucking great, man. I was, I, I just love that. But, but just the way that there was a natural chemistry on screen between. Yeah, the two there of them. really was. Like these, these two are just like. I mean, I really think it's a shame they did not do a sequel or two to this because these two yeah. on screen are just fucking magic together. Like. There's just a real sense of camaraderie. And like you said, there's great chemistry between them. And they just, the the dialogue they have, they just bounce off each other so fucking well. And it's just, it really is comedy gold, like the two of them. Like, you can't watch this movie and not have a good time. Like, yeah, this is like, 100%. this is one of those like absolutely perfect beer, pizza, and three or four friends over on a Friday night movies. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Just it's so much fun. Like you know, the, the some of the guns, like Stallone's. Uh, no, sorry, 
Excuse me, not Stallone. Fucking Kurt Russell's cool gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, that gun is a fucking, just a work of art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With his, like, laser sightings and shit like that. (laughs) Where Stallone goes, I goofed a classic. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I just, it's so, it's so fun, man. Like, you know, I mean, yeah, there's so, so many great scenes. Like, the opening scene with the, the fucking Stallone stopping the truck. Oh, um, dude, that was great. Just the way with he just the le- calmly... legendary Robert Zadar popping out, Maniac Cop yeah. himself popping out, yeah. the fucking windshield. Fuck you. I prefer bloods. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and then he waves the, the fucking handcuffs in his face. <laughs> you like, like jewelry? You like jewelry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gold, man. Yeah, I mean, they, they, even you see when they're in jail and like Robert Zadar's there and he's like screaming, just bring him to me. Yeah. Guy <laughs> walks past, he's like, oh, I loved you in Conan the Barbarian. And Kurt Russell just just joins in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just both smack him in the head. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Oh, man, yeah, just just so many great scenes. Yeah, like, dude. Um, it's, you know. It's just a good, like, I feel like there's no dead dead space in this movie. I think the pace rolls beautifully. Do, oh, I, yeah. do, you, do you find the jail scene sort of brought the, the tempo down a little? Or did you find that the movie just had a, the right amount of pace, ebb and flow? I, I I think the movie moves at a really good clip. And even when it slows down, like, I, I do agree. I do think uh, when they go to prison, yeah, it sort of uh, eases back a little bit. It does. But the di- I feel like the dialogue and the interplay between the two of them really keeps it alive. Yeah, I um, agree. And, um, yeah, it's sort of like, you, I, I feel like, the um i feel like the jail the jail scene really bonds them together as a team so that when they separate when they get out of jail you're almost feeling like oh come on guys get back together you two are so much fun when you're hanging out like yeah yeah but um yeah i mean you know thankfully it's not too long before they do start getting back together and um (laughs) great great scene where Kurt Russell's fucking on the couch getting a massage from Stallone's sister, and oh, uh, you know, that was gold. <laughs> when he's when he's he's, he's uh, disguised himself as a chick to escape the strip club, oh, it's just like that was. You know, I thought that was one of the funniest moments in the film, man. Like Kurt Russell in drag was yeah. fucking <laughs> mint. Yeah, like I mean, can you imagine being Kurt Russell and you reading the script and you, you see the scene? Yeah, I gotta wear heels and dress in women's clothing yeah yeah probably, yeah. probably calls goldie horn goes honey um <laughs> i'm in this movie and uh yeah yeah I'm, i just I'm, need some advice how uncomfortable are pantyhose <laughs> yeah shouldn't wear a thong or briefs they even make photos like yeah that great scene where like you know <clears throat> the captain shows up it's i think it's jeffrey lewis yeah, but yeah, the captain shows up. And, you know, Stallone. Uh, Kurt Russell says something like, "You know," and Stallone's just looking at him, and Kurt Russell just like clears his throat and he goes, "Excuse me, I think my pantyhose are riding into the unknown." <laughs> yeah, and Stallone's like, "Yeah, way into the unknown." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there there was some like real. Um, I I don't know if it was natural or just written in the script, but I just feel like there was so much ad libbed 
just natural dialogue that just flowed between Russell and Stallone that oh, just man, really made this movie as memorable as it is. And you, you've said this so many times about great movies that you could just watch every year, a couple of times a year. I think this is one of those movies. Oh, dude, for sure. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, it, it's just the right amount of action and comedy just mm. to keep you, you, you know, just keep you entertained from start to finish. And it's just a good feel-good movie. You get to the end of it. And, and to me, it's just, it's up there in the upper echelon of great movies that make the 80s just the raddest decade for movies. Well, I mean, it, that's the thing, man. It's like... This movie is such a good time. Like, and, you know, we've said this before about a lot of movies from the 80s, but it's true. It is such a good time. Like, you know, the good guys win. There's fucking great one-liners. There's a great power ballad at the end of it. Like, Yeah, like, I mean, there's no, there's no, like, uh, political fucking motivation behind it. I mean, it's just the classic LA cop formula, you Mm. know, Uh, heroic, over-the-top, um, bravado duo of cops fucking stopping the the badass drug lords of LA, you know, which was kind of like the 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 classic formula of so many cop movies of the eighties, man. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but the and thing, it's, it's we couldn't get enough of it. Well, no, and it's one of those movies where it's like, I mean, you know, the the whole thing in the eighties was just like, you know, there there were a lot of. Um, what did they call them? Like star vehicles. Where yes. it's like, you know, oh, we're going to get like this big movie star and that big movie star. We're going to chuck them together in a movie. And the thing with Tango and Cash and so many of these sort of movies is it's like, if you take Stallone and Kurt Russell out of this movie and replace them with, you know, almost anyone else, it's an entirely different film and probably not as good. Yeah. The dynamics don't work. At the, at the no, 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 no. And I think that's, you know, the reason why, you know, you see intelligent moves like Kurt Russell turning down Lethal Weapon and, and saying, mm. let's give it to Mel Gibson, you know, because they both previously starred together in Tequila Sunrise. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I think there was a lot of genius moves on the actors' parts back then. Um, yeah, well, I mean, these are guys that really know how to pick their roles. Yeah, like... and these guys, you, you got to remember, man, Stallone was riding his peak, his absolute peak. You know, Rocky, Rocky franchise was riding high. The Rambo franchise riding high. Kurt Russell was still riding high off the back of Big Trouble, Little China, and fucking the thing and everything else. Well, and Kurt Russell was doing a lot of stuff like, you the, know, like Tequila Sunrise and stuff like that as yeah, well. Yeah, like, yeah. He, he was picking a lot of like, you know, and doing a lot of comedy stuff like Overboard with Goldie Horn, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like... Captain, but, Captain Ron. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> but, like, these two together on screen just seem just so, like such a great idea. Like, you know, they're just there. And it was a chance for Stallone to flex... A different aspect of his acting uh, well, I don't, repertoire. Yeah, I don't think Stallone had done a lot of comedy before this because, no. I mean, Oscar and stuff like Stop or My Mum Will Shoot and shit like that was after Tango and Cash. Yeah, it was. Uh, if I yeah. remember correctly, um, I think I think Tango and Cash was his <laughs> sort of first taste of. Mm. Hey, I could be a funny guy. Well, and also kind of uh, paralleling again, like, you yeah. know, he, him and Arnie's career parallels, like, you know, because Arnie had just done 
twins, I think, in 1988. Yeah. So, you know, Arnie had sort of ventured a little bit into comedy. And so, I mean, I guess Sly sort of thought like, oh, well, hey, it worked for him. Yeah, I, f- I, I might feel give like, it a go. I feel like they were all keep playing the old keeping up with the Joneses thing, you know, like Bruce Willis was, you know, he'd do it, then Schwarzenegger would do it, then, you yeah. Know. Uh, did Chuck Norris ever do anything like that? I don't think he did. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I always found Walker, Texas Ranger completely hilarious, but, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> I don't and know that it was meant to be a comedy. To be fair, I mean, Chuck Norris has the last laugh because he's got gazillion fucking, you know, um, quotes and theories written about him. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, ha ha. I'm sure, I'm sure Chuck Norris is staying up at night going, oh, Jake thinks I'm a bit of a dickhead. Well, what can I do about that? I'm sure it's really keeping him up at night in his yeah. mansions. He's sitting there on his keyboard going, I'll show you, Randy. I'll show <laughs> you. <laughs> but, um, yeah, dude, the, the, the fucking Tango and Cash movie, it's fucking, yeah, like you say, man, this, the, it, I mean, look, the movie had problems from the get-go with, um, it went through about four directors. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a very easy production. No, and Patrick Swayze was originally in the cast at the beginning of, uh, I don't know, if for filming, but uh, yeah, like I mean, um, Stallone had the original director of photography fired and then fucking, I, I don't know, there was a lot of firings going on and the film ended up going 20 million bucks over budget. Yeah. So, you know, it just went through a, a bit of bullshit and Jack Palance um, had some scenes cut that he'd shot with Stallone that um, apparently he didn't seem too thrilled about. So yeah, there was, there was you know, for, for such an awesome movie, it went through a remarkable amount of bullshit to get to well, over the finish line. And I, I think that, again, is, um, I, I was going to say, I think, you know, with all the production problems, I think that's kind of a testament to how great the film is and how great these two are on screen together, yeah. that it holds together so well. <clears throat> Absolutely. Because it's like, you know, you know, with a movie like that, you know, and I mean, you know, look, I mean, you know, we've talked about before, like, you know, Sly in the 80s was, you know, he's a little bit egotistical and, you know, hey, yeah. why not? Like, he's, you know, one of the biggest box office draws in the world. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for this film to turn out as good as it is and for the uh, chemistry between Stallone and Kurt Russell to come across on screen as good as it is, is a real testament to the talent of these two dudes. And, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, maybe Sly could be difficult in the eighties or whatever, but you got to hand it to the guy. It's like, whatever his, you know, ego or, or whatever was in the eighties, like the man knew how to put together a really good, solid, fun action movie. And Absolutely. That is exactly what this film is. And, I mean, there's so many great scenes. I mean, the courtroom scene, like, I love the courtroom scene. Like, it's it's one of my most quoted things in my life where it's like, you know, like, they're on trial, you know. Yeah. Uh, closing statements, Sly gets up, gives this big impassioned speech about, like, you know, how great all the cops he works with are and, you know, 
that he hopes justice will be done and that, you know, whatever the outcome, he hopes it doesn't reflect on the fine men and women of the city <laughs> and all that sort of shit. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the judge is like, oh, you know, Mr. Catch, anything to add? And Kurt Russell just looks at Sly and Sly's just like shaking his head like, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no, no. And Kurt Russell's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gets up and he's like, oh, <laughs> Mr. Tango has spoken very eloquently and I wish I could do the same, but I can't because this whole thing fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's the biggest load of bullshit I've ever seen in my life. And it's just so fucking funny and just great. Just it's like just such that, a great moment. That scene is just classic fucking Kurt Russell. Yeah, but, it really is. But the way, again, another great example of how good these two play off each other on screen, man. It's like, yeah, yin and yang, dude. They're just yeah. fucking beautiful. Yeah, it really is. And I mean, you know, and then the, the scene where they've got Brian James on the rooftop with the hand grenade. <laughs> like, you know, you think he's telling the truth? Well, I don't know. He's standing in a puddle and it's not raining. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was gold. But um, I, I got to say, man, I fucking, um, I, I didn't, uh, I just realized too, Terry Hatcher was Stallone's yeah, sister. Yeah, Stallone's sister. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that oh. was, yeah. yeah. Yes. No more needs to be said there. Yeah. There is not an adult male uh, that um, is attracted to women in any way that will not wear black and blue that Terry Hot- Terry Hatcher was like the stone cold fox of like the late 80s, early 90s. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, yep. my God. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, moving on. The some of the uh, yeah, the action in this film is explosive, man. Like the the fucking monster trucks in in the quarry scene towards the end. Um, oh yeah, dude. One of them, one of the monster trucks is actually the famous Bigfoot truck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's just so cool that you see like one of the OG monster trucks in this film, uh, along with the fucking cool fucking. Um, truck that uh, Tango and Cash drive as well. Mm. Um, <laughs> I can't remember the actor's name, but the the little scientist dude. The oh yeah, Michael Michael J. Pollard. I mean, that's I was just going to gold. say like gold. The cast of this film is like, I mean, you you've got you know you've got like big stars like yeah. you know Kurt Russell, Stallone. Um, yeah. you know you've got great actresses like Terry Hatcher. But the rest of the cast is like filled out with like great, like Jack Palance, Michael J. Pollard, Jeffrey Lewis, um, you know, Brian James, Robert Zadar. Like, it's just, it's kind of like, it's one of those movies where it's like everyone you recognize as like a character actor or a background actor or something from a film in the eighties is in this thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure James Hong from big trouble in little China is one of the other crime Lords. Yeah. Well, um, apparently there was uh, in the original trailers, there were alternate endings and deleted scenes featured in the trailer. And one of the, uh, the scenes was with a, uh, I believe, Tango uh, or Stallone's character basically, uh, you know, uh, taking on a, sorry, Cash taking on a Chinese assassin during yeah. which Cash says, I hate you karate guys. And uh, a deleted scene where Tango is reading newspaper then pulls out a, a shotgun at someone uh, 
shooting a, a car with it, you know, like, yeah, there, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I think, I think there was James Hong in there somewhere. I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I got a weird feeling. He's one of the Asian crime lords that Jack Palance is talking to on screen. Yeah. Um, I think you yeah. might be right, man. Could but... could be wrong, but I'm I'm fucking positive it's James Hong. Yeah, I don't know, dude. Maybe because I, I remember I remember watching it as a kid and going, "Oh, David Lopan." Yeah, <laughs> but dude, that 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 scientist, um, yeah, the the little the little scientist guy from the uh, the mechanic dude from the fucking cop shop, man. He's like one of my he was one of my favorite little characters, and I wish. Yeah, it, it's funny. Funny thing about the eighties was there was like memorable actors that, that should have been cast in, in a DC or Marvel film. Yeah. Uh, and he was one of them guys that should have been cast as, um, there was a little midget character in justice league. Oh, Oberon. Yeah. Yes. Mr. Miracle sidekick. Yeah. I remember he, his face was like put a lot next to that, uh, comic book image. Uh, so often going this, this needs to happen, but never yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. But such a cool, cool uh, character that guy got to play. Like, hey, hey, if you guys damage the car, oh, <laughs> oh, gee, yeah. <laughs> we'll bring it back good as new. Mm. Yeah. Um, another thing uh, about the film too. Uh, moving on was um, apparently uh, there, there was the the sound effect. Uh, there was some fucking cool sound effects in this and blow up stuff in it but uh oh yeah the little bit of fun fun fact for you the sound effect used for tango and cash's truck in the quarry was the same sound used for luke skywalker's land speeder in star wars oh cool yep there you go and yes i'm just i'm just looking this up real quickly james hong was in the film ah you were correct who would also feature in big trouble in little china yes yes, yes. Yes. The other the other great thing about this movie too is really distinctive and cool score. Like the the theme for like Tango and Cash, like that. Like it's it's so. I don't know, man. Like I I miss eighty. Like I miss the the distinctive themes that like eighties action movies would have. Like because I mean I was watching Commando the other day and. Um, it was just like, you know, this has got a really distinctive score. Like, if you played this score, you'd go, oh, yeah, that's from Commando. Like, as opposed to, like, I couldn't tell you the score for any of the Fast and Furious movies. If you play, I've seen them all. If you played me, like, a piece of music that was like, oh, this is the score from Fast and the Furious, I'd just be like, really? I had no idea. Have we got technical difficulties again? What's that? Your voice sounds like Marcy, and you don't want to. Well. You need No More Mari. That's right, No More Mari, the fantastic new spray. Come to you 
in a fast action pump that will dissolve that wretched Marcy tone in your voice and stop you singing those wretched hits, or shall we say shits, one after the other. Yes, no more Mari. Available now at all good retailers for $5.95. Disclaimer, no Marcy fans were affected or alive during the course of the experimental procedures for this spray. about this show is just our production team is the best um i don't know about you jake but i gotta give props to our production team just fucking uh, look, incredible I, I just i feel that our uh no more Murray sponsors are just getting a bit more pushy and pushy with each ongoing week well they really are jake i'm glad you brought that up because i mean to be fair they've got a lot of product to move so you know yeah yes and folks you still can get your no more Murray available right now <laughs> But yeah, where, 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 where were we up to? Where were we? Up oh to? yeah, the score, the score was great. The uh, the the sound effects, uh, yeah, it was just kick ass, man. Just a well balanced film. But um, yeah, I I believe Jean Jean Claude Van Damme was uh, tagged in this film somewhere too. Ah, I believe he could have been. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it, it... I'm trying to remember. But yeah, I there were a lot of. I mean, that's the, the great thing about this movie is that, like, it is pretty much like a straight action f- film with a lot of comedy in it. But there's a lot of um, what what I really enjoy is that there's a lot of piss takes of other '80s action movies, like particularly like Stallone taking the piss out of himself with yeah, you know, the whole yeah. you know, who the fuck do you think you are? He thinks he's Rambo. Yeah, Rambo is a pussy. Yeah, that was. I think that's hands down one probably the one of the best moments in the film, and I I think that was in the original trailer too. If I'm correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it was. It was one of the big selling points for it. I I, I believe like that was one of the the big moments that they were chucking in for the marketing and stuff. But yeah, um, and the, the the funny thing about this film too is is with Stallone playing. Yeah, the the ironic thing about this is how he plays a cop framed for a crime that he didn't commit. Um who also would play similar characters in Demolition Man and Judge Dredd. Yeah. How fucking weird is that shit? Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. I just think it's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, that's me. It, it's kind of like a, oh, hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, look, uh, this movie, if you haven't seen this movie, like, fucking hell, dude. Like, Check it out, dude. Don't don't give us some shit excuse. Look, um, yeah, dude. Just fucking watch it, man. It's fucking rad. It really is, man. It's it's it is really like a um, you know, if if you've if if you've enjoyed stuff like you know, for example, like Rush Hour or you know, Point Break, you know, any any sort of buddy cop movie like. You know, even even you know, sort of fun action comedy stuff like Beverly Hills Cop. Like, yeah, this is very much, you know, parking its car in the same garage as the rest of those movies, and it's honestly one of the best of the genre. I I, I feel I like really like. think so. Like, man, we were just spoiled for options in the eighties, dude. Like, there's a fucking I don't know, man. You ask any person that was fortunate to watch movies in that decade, man. Like we, 
I, I don't know. Any visit to the video shop was a good time. And seeing this on the shelf was a fucking great moment. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, well, it was. It was one it of was those movies. To. Yeah, man, it was like one of those movies for yeah. me that was always a staple of like you know school holidays or whatever. It's like oh, I'm going to go rent a bunch of movies. Oh, I'm going to watch Tango and Cash again because that was so fucking so fun. I kind of wish this movie. <clears throat> well, I kind of hope this movie would one day see a cinematic. Uh, uh, not not so much a re-release, but every now and then the cinemas like to do a bit of a nostalgia thing. It'd yeah. be really cool to see this film get get a bit of a nod because I'd love to see it on the big screen. Oh, absolutely, man! It was one of those ones that I missed because um, I was in grade seven when yeah. this came out, and it was like I, I I knew a bunch of people that were talking about it and just like, oh my god, Tango and Cash is so fucking cool. I didn't get to see it until it came out on VHS. So, yeah. yeah, I would love to see this on the big screen. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Hey, um, this, did you know, that, oh, fucking, this is a fun fact about this film. This movie was one of the first American movies to get a wide release in Soviet bloc countries after the fall of the Berlin Wall. Um, I did not know that. No, and it gets better. Bootleg VHS tags became hot sellers in Russia um, with, Brian James claiming that he never felt more like a celebrity than when he was swarmed by crowds of people in the Ukraine who recognized him as one of the movie's villains. <laughs> How fucking wild is that shit, man? That's mental. <laughs> that's insane. I know, right? Like, I mean, that's what, like, we're, you're listening to Jake and me tell you this movie's good. Man, this movie is legit. They're making bootlegs. They're probably still circulating bootlegs of this movie over there. They probably are, you know. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, man. But, but yeah, dude, this movie uh, definitely was one of the smash hits of, of, of a time where we were just spoiled for fucking great fucking, uh, you know, cop movies of the 80s, man. And, um, yeah, I, I would definitely rate this in my... Easy, easy top five. Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, for sure, for sure. Like, this is probably, um, <clears throat> oh, man, I would say this is probably easy top five Stallone movies of all time for me. Like, it's, easy. Just, it's just such a good, and I mean, look, I know, you know, on this show and on Freaky Friday, like, we, we tend to, well, at least I do, um, tend to go deep dive into, like, you know, the emotional undertones of the movie and, you know, how serious it is and all that sort of shit. I don't because think I'm a wanker. Yeah, um, but I don't that, think there was that in this film. That's the thing, man. For this movie, it's just, it's pure fun. It's pure fun escapism. Yeah. Um, not to say that the characters are one-dimensional at all. Like, you know, there's a lot of, you know, great little character moments in there yeah. between them, you know, when they're like, you know, but it, it's always undercut with comedy. It's like, I mean, I love that scene where they're just about to go hit the bad guys, like right mm. at the end. Yeah. And, you know, Stallone's doing all the like, you know, <clears throat> oh, listen, you know, if, if we don't make it out of here, you know, I don't don't want, you know, look after myself. I don't want my sister to like get that 3 a.m. phone call that you're dead or anything like that and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, Stallone's like, you know, having a really genuine, like emotional character moment. And Kurt Russell just comes in with, well, nothing's going to happen to me because I'm charmed. And if we do get out of this, I am going to date your sister. <laughs> yeah. and it's just, you know, man, it's just, it is such a fun movie. Like the characters are 
you know, they're, they're, they're really well written. They're, they're very three dimensional, you know, there's, there's enough like, you know, little hints and, and, you know, line drops in there to like, you know, say, oh yeah. Okay. So, you know, Kurt Russell's character's divorced and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, you know, they both live for the job and all that sort of shit, but it's just such a fucking good time. Like there's nothing in there. It's one of those great movies where it's like, you know, if you're having a shit day or something like that, you can just throw Tango and Cash on in the background and it will just take your mind off everything for a couple of hours. It's just, it's a fucking great time. Like it really Totally, is. totally. And I, I mean, really, I, I agree, man. If this came out of the cinema, this is one of those movies that would be so fucking great to see with a crowd. Mm. Like to see this movie with the right audience would just be awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a movie. Yeah. Well worthy of seeing on the big screen again. Um, great score by Howard Faltermeyer as well. Yep. Fucking yeah. It's, um, look, yeah, there, there's really not much more that I have to say about this film. It's just, just good fun. Um, yeah. I mean, bringing together two of the, the fucking best action stars of the decade together on the screen. Just good way to bang out the eighties, dude. Yeah, really no, it, it is. And it's, it's, it's one of those movies where it's like, if you haven't seen it, like to, to any of our younger listeners, um, <laughs> sit down and let grandpa tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> but, like it, it's one of those movies where it's like, you know, I mean, we've, we've got some great, action stars today like you know we've got the rock we've got john yeah. cena we've got we've got all these guys but, jason momoa yeah, yeah momoa jason statham stuff like that but yeah. to really there's a big difference between like the stuff that the modern guys do and the stuff that the guys in the 80s did and for me like if you really want a taste of what you know, peak 80s action movies were like, this is one of the go-to ones because it's like such a fucking good time, you know, so much charisma and chemistry between your two leads. Like, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys, like, I don't know, there's moments where you're watching these two talk to each other on screen and I don't know, I don't know about you, but I'm just watching Kurt Russell's eyes just the way he connects with Stallone's and I don't know, you can just really see the bromance on screen. Just, yeah. Just man. really happening. So I, yeah, I'm with you. Like it's uncertain the level of chemistry these guys had on, on and off screen, but in this film, it's just, yeah, it fucking works, man. It's yeah. like, it's chemistry. Yeah. It so does. It, it reminds me very much of, um, like it, it, I, the only other time I've seen anything that's kind of, um, you know, this level of like two actors really hitting it off and having a great time making it was ironically, we talked about this earlier in the episode mm. with uh, Steven Soderbergh, Ocean's mm. Eleven with Clooney and Brad Pitt. Yes, absolutely, like, man. That was could, perfect. You could just tell those two dudes were like, they were buds. They were having a great time making it. They yep. were just bouncing off each other yep. and having a great time. Absolutely. I mean, chemistry is such a vital thing in, in movies. Just to really, that believability um, of of the, the characters, it just really brings it to fruition, man. I mean, we've mm. talked about this with 
um, you know, again, I'll bring up aliens. I'll bring up fucking Predator. Yeah. You know, those, the, the, the characters, just the way all they all blend and the camaraderie is just so cool. Um, fucking Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in Lethal Weapon, dude. Like, I can't wait for, for us to talk about that one. But, oh, yeah, dude. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> but, like, talk about great relationships. I mean, those guys fucking, you know, went on for four films of awesomeness. Well, I mean, that's the thing, man. It's like, you know, you, you get, like, even even if the dialogue in this movie was written and acted word for word, and same yeah. with Lethal Weapon or yeah. Ocean's Eleven or anything like that, you can, and I, I can tell you as someone who has written and directed films, you can write that rapid fire, witty dialogue between two characters. Mm. But if you don't have actors that have that chemistry and camaraderie that can deliver it, it just doesn't come across. Like, no. it just fucking doesn't, man. It just falls completely flat and you're just going, oh, it sounded so good on the page when I wrote it and when yeah. I acted it out loud myself. Because, like, you know, you're writing this shit and you're walking around your apartment saying it to make sure mm. it flows. Mm. And in your head, you're imagining Kurt Russell and Stallone or you're imagining fucking Mel Gibson and Danny Glover or <laughs> George Clooney. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the dialogue is rapid fire and it's flowing and it's like, you know, Ben Affleck and Jason Lee from fucking Chasing Amy or some shit. Yeah, and then you know you you get your actors and they don't get along or they just don't have the chemistry or they just don't get the dialogue and it just falls flat on its fucking face and it's really sad to see because you're just like oh my god my words were so good and now they just mm-hmm. sound like shit mm-hmm. yeah and you know then you're sort of like oh my god maybe I can write this shit but it just doesn't work for me it's, I don't know it's but, funny. Um, yeah, it's it's funny you bring that up because, man, I, I sorry. Um, oh, you, you go ahead and finish first. Sorry. Oh no, I was pretty much finished. It was just okay, kind cool. of yeah. It's just like, a, oh, maybe I could write it, but it just doesn't sound good said out loud. It's like, no, it sounded fine when I said it out loud. Yeah. But, well, um, okay. So I was going to add to that and say it's it's exactly the same with songs. Like you know, I'll sit there and I've written countless songs. And I've got the, uh, you know, I've got the the vocal vibe in my head going, yeah, yeah, it's going to go like this. It's going to be rad. It's going to be fucking cool. And I swear to God, what comes out and what I hear in my head are two completely different things. Yeah, dude. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. It's so weird. Like the creative thing sometimes, because it's like, you know, you, you just, you will have it in your head and it's perfect. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, you get to the act of actual creation and it's just like, Whoa, fuck! I've yeah, missed this exactly. Step or something's gone horribly wrong. Yep. Yeah, you just kind of just go, oh man, yeah. But I mean, sometimes it's not always a bad thing because sometimes you can you can turn that initial shock can be turned into fucking a masterstroke of sheer genius. So, yeah. It, yeah, it's all highly possible. Um, any final thoughts on Tango and Cash? No, I just think like you know, I I really. I would urge anyone that has not seen this flick, like, give and it, it's, give it's, it a it's weird for me to think that there are people that haven't seen this movie. Cause it's like, I think for like you and me, man, like for our generation, this movie is a staple. Like yeah. as, as so many of these movies that we talk about are, it's like, you know, when we were growing up, everyone had seen these, like everyone had seen them. And it's, yeah. It's always weird to me when I talk to people that are, you know, 
um, like a generation down or, or younger, well, like in their twenties, that are just like, oh, I haven't seen that. And it's it's just like, kind of weird, isn't it? Like, I it mean, is. today's what? like, you know, today's youth, man. Like they they have the streaming thing going on, and but you know, when we watched movies, like, I mean, within the space of two weeks, every kid at school was talking about Tango and Cash. Yeah. Yeah, we're all reciting the lines from it. Like, any of those fucking blockbuster movies that we've talked about on this episode. Yeah. We would, you would go to school and go, oh, dude, did you see that? You know? Yeah. And and if you didn't, you ended up having a sleepover with your mates, you know, get your mates over the weekend and just go to the video shop, rent a bunch of videos and just fucking get up to speed with everyone. Well, I, yeah. I feel like with streaming, I, I feel like the issue is that there's so much content on streaming and like so oh, much new shit. It's that the same with music. People, yeah, it's like so much new shit that people have got to keep up with because yeah. like, you know, it's the internet. So if you haven't watched Obi-Wan Kenobi by fucking, you know, today when the season finale drops or whatever, yeah, by tomorrow morning, you're going to know everything that happens in it before you even fucking watch it because exactly. it's going to be spoiled for you. So I feel like there's so much new content that people aren't looking for the old stuff. Like no one's sitting there on the weekend going like, oh, let's scroll through all the movies on Netflix or yeah. Disney Plus and see what they've got. Yeah, everyone's just like, oh, I've got to watch this, I've got to watch this, and I've got to watch this. Like, I've got to watch these three things, and there's, like, ten episodes each of all of them, so I've got to cram that in before some fucker spoils it for me. Exactly. Whereas, like, back in the day, man, it's like you went to the video store, and if the shit was rented out, tough. You had to go and get something else and wait till yeah. next week. You um, did. You know, so you got the chance to like discover a lot more stuff. So, mm. cause it's like, you know, you go to the fucking store to rent out fucking, you know, demolition, man. It's like, Oh, it's fucking all out. Oh, I guess I'll just get, you know, a few I'll get Chuck Norris invasion USA. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> here, here on the terror, here I come. Woo-hoo! Um, but, um, yeah, but, but you would, you'd like go, Oh, well, you know, I kind of was wanting, wanting a Stallone movie. What else is here? Oh, Tango and Cash. I haven't seen that in a while or, or whatever. It's like, you know, there was a lot more chance to discover things. Um, because like, you know, it was like, Hey, you can get 10 weekly movies for 10 bucks. It's like, Oh, okay, sweet. Like, you know, yeah, that's my next seven days sorted. If I feel like watching something. 100%. And I just, I, I just really feel like, yeah, with the demise of video stores, like, you know, a lot of people aren't seeking out older movies unless, you know, it's right in front of them. Yeah, I agree, man. It's, it's, it's a weird thing, man. And, um, yeah, I, yeah, we, we, we talk about this every week, man, fucking, but I mean, there's so much truth to it and I, I challenge anyone to tell us different, but you know, there's, uh, yeah simpler times man and more fun (laughs) well i mean that's the thing man it's like you know if you've got access to everything you eventually aren't really going to watch all of it because there's so much like i said there's so much new shit that you've got to keep up with and it's like i think having limited choices sometimes can be beneficial particularly for like your film education or your music education. It's like, you know, like, like we've talked about before, man, it's like, you know, back in the day, it's like, Oh, you could only afford like, you know, one or maybe two CDs, you know, every couple of weeks. 
So it's like you got that CD, you really made the choice to get the one you wanted, and you fucking listened to it from woe to go. Like you didn't just jump on Spotify or iTunes and just go, oh, I just want that single from that guy. It's like, no, if you wanted the single from that guy, you had to buy that guy's whole album. And then you listen to his whole album. And yeah. hey, presto, you might have found a fucking artist that you really like. Yeah, 100%, dude. 100%. Um, before we go, I've got a quick question to ask you too. With this episode, we've talked about Tango and Cash. Fucking great episode. I am now thinking about Kurt Russell and Stallone, thinking to myself, who do you think would win in a battle between Snake Plissken and John Rambo? Ooh, that's a tough one. <clears throat> I'm giving the edge to, I don't know, man, because I'm, I'm kind of thinking about it and I'm like, well, Snake Plissken's going to cheat because that's what Snake does. Yeah. Like, Snake fights dirty. Yeah. But I think feel like Rambo's probably better trained. Um, and what, what era Rambo are we talking about here? Are we talking like, we're talking First Blood or are we talking Rambo 2 and 3? Or are we talking like, you know, Old Man Rambo? No, let's, let's roll, let's roll Rambo 2, uh, Snake so going like, to escape from LA. We're like peak Rambo and peak yeah, Snake. Yeah, the peak. Yeah, I'm kind of giving it to Rambo. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, it's Rambo. He's tough as fuck. Well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> character-wise, it's like Rambo's way better trained. You know, Rambo's like, well, Rambo's fought off an army. Snake's fought off a bunch of jerk-offs in fucking New York and LA. Like, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you know, look, I mean, let's face it. Rambo's a professional soldier. Snake's a professional criminal. Like, not that Snake isn't tough as fuck, but, I mean, yeah. I I think it would be a tough one, though, because I do think Snake would fucking cheat like all fuck. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. But I think Rambo would get the edge because, you know, because of his, you know, just extensive combat training. But, I mean, they're both well-trained. They're both, you know, proficient in weapons and hand-to-hand combat and everything. And... I don't know. I, I think it'd be an interesting fight. I really do. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think Johnny would come through with the goods, and uh, yeah, the raid, the Vietnam rage would just come through, and yeah, he'd get the upper hand. Yeah, well, see, Rambo's got that whole uh, Frank Castle, Wolverine, Berserker, PTSD kind of thing going yeah. on. Yeah, no, like you say, the guy wiped out a whole fucking army. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like, look, you know, he he you know, wiped out a town in the first movie and, you know, destroyed the sheriff's department, won the Vietnam War single-handedly in the second movie, <laughs> fucking fought off the Russian invasion of Afghanistan in the third movie. Went back um, into Vietnam and, and fucking just ripped a new one, ripped a fucking big one through the Viet Cong. Yeah, like destroyed fucking the criminal enterprises of Burma in the fourth movie and yeah. then, like you know, took out a cartel in the fifth movie. So it's like, the guy's kind of like, you know, he's pretty adept at destroying multiple opponents. (laughs) Whereas Snake Plissken probably isn't going to like slow him down too much. Yeah, I mean, Snake Plissken manages to get caught fucking almost every time. 
by the bad guys and yeah, it comes through in the end. But yeah, I, I gotta say though, like in terms of like crossovers, I always wished would happen, and I think it's like the most perfect crossover that has never ever happened. It is... would be a sick crossover. Yeah, man, but like I, I think it's like in terms of that, my dream one has always been Jack Burton and Ash from Evil Dead. Wow. Like those two oh, wow. dude, those two fucking boneheaded egomaniacs in like a crossover wow, would that be is comedy gold. Fucking good one. Right. Well picked, Jake. Because, like, Jack Burton, you know, with the fucking, the, the pork, uh, was it the pork, the pork express? express? Pork Chop like, Express. Man, just rattling off his shit on the mic. And then... Yeah, it's like, Jack is such a fucking boneheaded, loudmouthed fucking braggart. I mean, you can see and that. Ash is a fucking idiot and a loudmouth as well. I'm just so already... Like... I'm just already picturing the the first scene with these two. Like Ash is just fucking. I don't know he's in, he's in some pickle and he just finds a radio and he goes, "Hello, hello, hello. Is, is there someone there? Hey, it's Jack Burton here. Yeah, yeah, right. And I got a story for you. Jack Burton says, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, I just think it'd be fucking. It'd be a masterful team up that one." Oh, dude, right? I'm just like... Lopan oh, comes back. Yeah. Comes, uh, teams Tries to get the fucking, Necronomicon. Yeah. Team, you know, like we see some fucking Asian demon demigod just rise. And uh, because both fucking Jack and Ash have fucked up, you know, as per usual. And uh, they've got to team up to fucking wipe this fucking dynamic duo of evil out. That's a fucking great idea. Oh, dude, right? I just... Yeah, I hope no one's listening so that uh, you know we can write this down and fucking. I I just I I think like you know I think <laughs> it's fucking criminal that there has not been a comic book version of this already. Like, because I know they did like um I think they did like a Snake Plissken Jack Burton one uh from Dynamite. Oh real? Boom! Yeah, that would have been sick to read. Fuck yeah! Um, I I think I think they did because oh, I know. I know Boom at some point had the right well, to bring trouble I mean, to China and escape from New York at the same time. Ash has done some cool crossover stuff in the comics, but um, I think Ash and Jack Burton would be, a, I think, one of the best team-ups. But, I mean, yeah, it, it would be a big fucking challenge for any writer to, you know, put that one together. But you would just have to just live on a staple diet of those movies for for a good solid month at least. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and I mean, be... you know, I mean, you know, back back to the time machine thing. It's like, I mean, can you imagine like that movie happening in the eighties or even the early nineties? Like, <sighs> dude, like, like, yeah. yeah, peak Bruce Campbell and peak Kurt Russell on screen together. Well, Gold. I mean, that's the thing, man. Like, you know, we got the Evil Dead trilogy, but fuck, we never got a sequel for Big Trouble in Little China. I, I, I'm kind of glad we didn't, but fuck, that would have been. You know they're talking about doing one. Like a sequel? They've been talking about doing like a reboot for ages. Um, They really shouldn't. The Rock has said that, well, apparently The Rock's going to do it, but Mm. he said it's going to be like a reboot, but kind of a sequel. And like, you know, he's going to get like Kurt Russell back as Jack Burton. And I'm just like, I just... Well, to to be fair, there, there was a great comic book series, Old Man Jack Burton. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, I do where, remember like, that. Yeah, there, there, there was that big wave of fucking old man fucking series, you know, with yeah, like because Wolverine yeah. started yeah, the whole thing. Yeah, but... yeah, old old man Logan was a hit, so all of a sudden everyone had to do one. Yeah, yeah. So, but the old man Jack Burton one was actually really good. It was pretty funny, but um, I only yeah. read a couple. But yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't read the full series, but I did like what I read. Yeah, it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think. Uh, I think. Uh, a Jack Burton Ash crossover would be great, and uh, or even a Tango and Cash sequel comic book would be fucking killer. Oh man, it's like we said, it's like the same with like fucking um, you know Cobra and stuff like that. Mm. It's like these are, these are like great characters. Yeah, and it would be so cool to see them revisited in some capacity. I agree. I agree. I, and I mean, I don't, I don't want, I don't want a reboot or anything like that. Like, no, I don't want to see, you know, no, reboots. I don't want to see Tango and Cash. No, you know, reboots the, are the next about... generation with uh, Jason Statham and Jason Momoa. No, no, we don't need to see that. There's a reason why these movies are fucking classics and should just be left alone. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's all I have to say. Fucking another rad one in the bag. Episode fucking yeah, fourteen or something like that. I don't know, man. I, no, no, no. It was fourteen on Freaky, and oh, we got it. We got to be getting up towards the twenties in rad with all the other ones. Nah, we're on episode twelve. Oh, really? Well, on our on our we did miss a couple. But we are, we are probably, yeah, we are probably close to the 20s. But, yeah, it depends how you look at it. But, hey, look, another one in the bag. We're in double digits. We're kicking goals. Exactly. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's been a good week, man. It's been real good. It has. It has. We'll have fun. to, uh, we, we've got to decide on what next week's is going to be. Oh, dude. Dare I say, dare I challenge anyone in the audience that could fucking be listening. And if you are, thank you. Like, mm. I don't know. I, if you've made it this far into the episode, that's a feat of fucking, <laughs> I don't know what. Um, I won't say genius. I'll just say. Endurance. <laughs> endurance. Yeah. I'll, and, and I'll say thanks. Um, yeah. It's, it's um, yeah. Let, drop us a comment, man. Like we're on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, all those places and yeah, just drop us a line and tell us what you want us to talk about, but we'll inevitably find something because we've already rattled off a, a list of fucking awesome movies on this episode as it is. Um, yeah. That we haven't even talked about yet. So yeah. Maybe we should have a lethal weapon week. Maybe we should or, or roadhouse or something like that. Roadhouse. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Or dirty dancing. <laughs> oh, you, Jake, you go. Nobody you go, puts Jakey in a corner. <laughs> you wash your mouth out with soap right now. <laughs> Fucking hell. Oh, boy. On that note, it's been another ex- rad episode. Have a rad week, everyone. Be Indeed. excellent to each other and um, be Party sure to on, subscribe. Oh, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Yes. Uh, possibilities are endless. They are. Have a great weekend and um, subscribe, like, and all that cool stuff. And we'll see you or talk to you next week. Next week. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Laters. Bye. Thanks, Heath, all you rad people for tuning in. Uh, We love the fact that you're listening to this show and that you made it this far is a feat of awesomeness. 
Uh, if you enjoyed this show, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Tell your friends about it. And uh, Rad and Freaky Friday and Happy Days is proudly brought to you by my very own Freak Productions. Go to www.freekproductions.com and support the cause. Just keeps the wheels turning, shows me that you care. Uh, have yourselves a great weekend. I hope it's full of radness. I know we will certainly be having a rad one because uh, we've just done a rad show, so why not? And uh, no doubt we'll see you next week for another dose of rad. Stay rad, people.